Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30-pound sea bass, and a 10-inch compound miter saw have in common? They're all things that are easier to load in and out of the bed of the new F-150. Thanks to its new available pro-access tailgate, that's also a swing gate. The new 2024 Ford F-150, tough this smart, can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024, pro-access tailgate available starting spring 2024, cargo and load capacity limited by weight and weight distribution. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Before we roll the audio on this PFT Live podcast, we want you to know that Mike Florio does an afternoon podcast. Why? To catch all the late-breaking news and developing stories in the NFL, of course. So you got to subscribe to PFT PM as well. Go to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Art19, or Google Play. Search PFT PM and subscribe. Boom. Done. Thanks for the support. Now, stats. Another hour of the PFT Live podcast. It's a Monday edition of Pro Football Talk Live, NBC Sports Radio. NBCSN. Hello to our good friends in the UK and in Ireland enjoying the program on Sky Sports. It's Combine Week. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we've got four hours of live content. No re-airs Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. A lot going on. We're heading to Indianapolis. I'm leaving not long after the show ends today. Peter King will be there as well. But Peter, before we head to Indianapolis, we get to talk for a couple of hours about everything that will be happening there. And one of the most important things that will be happening there has nothing to do with rookies. Well, it does have to do with how they'll be paid in future years, but it's not about screening them or picking them out and looking at what they can do in T-shirts and shorts. It's about getting the union and the league together to try to work out this CBA. And it felt like it was moving in that direction last week. And then the NFLPA slams on the brakes and wants to meet with the league again. And Peter, I don't really know where it's going to go from here. And I don't think anybody at this point does. Uh, I don't either, Mike. I I, uh, if I had to guess, I think there's going to be some significant problems this week uh, in approving this CBA. But what I tried to write about today was I tried to look at this from the perspective of the players and what exactly they actually approved in this deal. And one of the things I talked about is that last year in 2019, at the NFLPA annual meetings, they came away basically saying, we want to do this deal for the core players. Now, Mike, 65% of the players in the NFL make less than a million dollars per year in, a, in salary. I'm just talking paragraph five salary, and that can be misleading, but 65% make less than a million dollars in salary. And I think the union, from the very start of this deal, they sensed 
that the owners absolutely unequivocally were not going to move off of 17 games. And because they weren't going to move off of 17 games, and there was a pretty solid group of at least six owners that wanted 18 games. And, and I think that, from the player's perspective, was a non-starter right away. And doing anything but 17 games was a non-starter from the owners. So the players started to look at what can we do for our core players and for the retired players who always are banging the drums saying, hey, what about us? So in this deal, I write about a seven-year veteran player who retires in the 70s and who currently has a max pension of $30,000 a year. In this deal, that pension goes up to $46,000 per year in the first year for life. And then after that, basically has uh, has some escalators, but is not going to get very much above like 50000 for the rest of his life. But And there are other things. And I use that as an example of this is the kind of thing that the Players Association in this deal really wanted to go after. Well, and look, I, I'm, one thing that a lot of people have lost sight of is how we got to where we were late last week. There are people who thought that what the NFL approved on Thursday when they called all the owners to New York for a meeting, they thought they approved an initial offer. It's far from an initial offer. It's a result of 10 months of negotiation. And the executive right. committee negotiated that deal. And I think that's what made Friday so jarring when the executive committee that negotiated the deal votes against the deal that they negotiated six to five. And Lorenzo Alexander, member of the NFLPA executive committee, explained to Sirius XM NFL Radio, essentially, without throwing anyone under the bus, his point was a lot of us were playing football, so we weren't paying attention while others negotiated this deal. And now we're paying attention to it and we don't like it. Now, I don't know how accurate that is. It may just be a reflection of the pushback they're getting from some of the members of the board of player reps. But the bottom line is the executive committee negotiates the deal, and now the executive committee doesn't like the deal, and now everybody has to figure out what the hell the deal is and where they go from here. But the two sides from their negotiating team's perspective had a deal. And, yes, you've got to ultimately sell it to your constituency. The NFL (laughs) sold it to the owners. The players are having a hard time selling it to the players. And – Peter, I think the threshold question is this. What does the NFL do when they all sit down tomorrow and the NFLPA asks for more? Does the NFL say, guys, you got to understand, we've negotiated a deal. We have a deal. We're not giving you any more. Or has the NFL planned for this eventuality? Do they have something held back that they can throw on the table to make it feel like they're being magnanimous, they're being flexible, they're being charitable, and they're adding to this deal and letting the NFLPA feel like they had a win by going back to the table. That's the real question that will play out tomorrow. And if the NFL says pound salt or pound sand, I still don't know which one's the right one. That's when we set the stage for potential problems in 2021. I don't think they're going to do that, Mike. I think the former is what the owners are going to do. I believe they're going to listen to the players. And through somewhat clenched teeth, they're going to say, okay, like, I, I'll give you a good example, Mike, okay, of one thing in this deal that just doesn't smell right. And I wrote about this in Football Morning in America today, and that is this. Okay, so if you make more as a player than $4.25 million, then under this deal, unless, I'm told, you personally negotiate it with your team, 
okay? Your 17th game income as salary is capped at $250,000. Now, probably the reason J.J. Watt looked at it and said, hey, hard no on this deal, he makes $912,000 a week. And so he says, why in the world would I play? And I don't know what he says, but why in the world would I play? Why would Von Miller wake up and say, hey, listen, week 17 this year, we're playing the Chargers, playoff game on the line. I'm playing for a quarter of what I made last week when we had another must win. I mean, it's ridiculous. So that is the one thing. Mike, there's 176 players who are in that boat. And those 176 players obviously said, hey, listen, just give me my game check that I should be getting. And so that is one of the things that, in my opinion, players are going to say to owners, we got to make this right. It's not going to cost very much money to do that. And actually, it is honestly just doing the right thing. The owners are going to say, hey, wait a second. As the Players Association, you guys said to us, it's more important to take care of the middle class and the lower class guys, the 48th guy in the roster. That's what we've been negotiating with for months. But I think now that they see this speed bump, they'll monetize how much that's going to cost them. And they'll say, listen, let's go in with this olive branch. I don't know this, Mike, but I have a feeling that there's going to be movement on that tomorrow. And, and see, that's the thing that fascinates me. Is this a situation where the NFL is actually digging deeper than it had intended to dig, or have they already budgeted for this in this broader plan to get a deal done now so they can parlay labor peace into TV contracts? Because, look, one of the things that, that, that got my attention, and I sounded this out earlier on, on uh, the radio side of the program, the NFL was very quiet several weeks ago when the NFLPA first started this process of meeting with players and working through this deal. And I, I, I think I was the only one that was saying, hey, look, folks, here's the posture. They've worked out an agreement. They're just trying to sell this to the union. The NFL never pushed that from a PR standpoint to anyone in the media. And it makes me wonder whether they're just kind of like, we've got a master plan here that's playing out, and we kind of like how it's playing out. And we're going to keep our mouths shut. And, and we're going to know when we have to say something like on Thursday when they gathered all the owners for their, their power play, which is what it was, to really make everyone understand there is a deal and we're just waiting for the NFLPA to accept it. I just wonder how much of, of strategic planning has gone into this and whether or not they are ready. They already have the package of money and other terms ready to give tomorrow and, and, and scream and complain while they do it but they knew all along that they were going to do it. That, that, and we'll never know Mike, the answer to that. But I think I, I have a feeling they already have planned for this. Mike, you, you know it. I mean, you know what was one difference in this negotiation and in this proposed settlement versus in the summer of 2011? And I'll tell you, because I wasn't covering that daily in 2011, but when it got really close, I was covering it. And I can tell you, that in 2011 and in prior negotiations, there's always been a bunch of people from each side who are talking to you basically and talking to all the writers and all the media people, hey, make sure you get this point out, make sure you get that point out. Mike, very little of that. On Thursday, I went to the Conrad Hotel in Manhattan and I was waiting afterwards to either hear Roger Goodell speak 
uh, to about 30 or 35 of us in the press or, you know, basically get a few guys off to the side and say, hey, what really happened in there? Which that's what we do. And every single one of those guys walked out of there. And as one guy said, not this time, Peter, you know, and (laughs) so I think I think what is happening, Mike, is that the NFL is saying, hey, listen, nobody, nobody say anything. Nobody talk about this deal. We don't want to be seen as putting any pressure on anybody. And, And whatever is really happening behind the scenes, I'm not positive. I am just trying to read the tea leaves. And Mike, you said it about three minutes ago. It was this the absolute final deal or was there a little bit of wiggle room? And I think any really smart negotiator in the NFL has had, they have guys there, Mike. I go back to 1987. In 1987, I covered that. That's the last time NFL players miss regular season games. They missed three that year. And, you know, and, and ever since then, since 1987, if this deal goes through, it'll be till the end of the 2029 season. And just imagine to go, if, if you're going to go basically 42 years without a job action in your game. And I think in order to do that, in order to get that done this week, the NFL has to have a little bit of wiggle room, just a little bit to get this deal approved. Yeah, I just get the feeling that they know how it's going to play out. They've known how it's going to play out. And the pieces are moving on the chessboard exactly the way they envisioned. The fact that they agreed so quickly to even meet this week tells me that that they know. Because if they're not going to give anything else, why are we meeting? That should have been the response. There's nothing to talk about. Well, the because, deal's the deal. Because, Mike, I'll tell you why I think meeting this week is so important. Oh, I mean one, meeting at all. I mean meeting at all. Oh, you I, mean my meeting point is, at all. Okay. If the deal's the deal, yeah. if the deal's the deal, and they call up and say we want to get together again, say there's nothing to talk about. The deal's the deal. Either take it or leave it. Right. Right. But you're right. But they got to get it done now. As people as people need to understand, because I've had a bunch of people who say to me, hey, listen, this this collective bargaining agreement goes through the end. The current one goes through the end of the 2020 season. It goes all the way to the draft in 2021. I believe that's the last event in this CBA. Okay, so if that's the case, then what's the hurry? And I've tried to explain to people, A, you know, if this election this year, I think it's going to be even more fervent uh, and more sordid and more of a, as one prominent NFL person said to me over the weekend, hey, listen, this is going to be the ultimate political reality TV. And, and he raised this issue with me, Mike. Can you imagine on a Thursday night this fall, if Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump are in a debate and the polls are fairly close. That Democratic uh, uh, debate last week had a rating of like 19 across the country. That rating will have about a 38. And not only that, but the NFL game on on the same night will have a rating of about four. And so that, that is, to me, something that the NFL has to be concerned with. In an election year, good chance the ratings will tank. Let's get the TV deals, even though we got a couple of years left on all of them. Let's get the TV deals enacted right now. Yeah, and that's been a point that we've been making all along. Labor peace, turn the attention to the broadcast deals, do it while the ratings are strong, do it while the economy's strong, 
and get the networks locked in before things go haywire in 2020, which could happen with ratings. And in 2021, it could happen with the economy. Quick break. When we return, one of the other issues being decided or at least discussed this week, what to do with replay review of pass interference, competition committee meeting in Indianapolis. Peter has an idea for how to fix what definitely is broken. More PFT Live right after this. Pass interference replay review was adopted in 2019 on a one-year-only basis. So now owners will have to decide what to do for 2020. Do you bring it back? Do you do something else? What do you do to avoid the worst-case scenario, which we saw play out in the 2018 NFC Championship game? Rich McKay, the competition committee chairman, who a year ago was a strong proponent of doing nothing in the aftermath of Rams Saints, and he was coerced otherwise once the league meetings came around. He told Mark Maskey, the Washington Post, I think we all saw the frustration that we had during the year regarding replay review of pass interference. I do think it began to get better, but I want to see it all in the total picture and not deal from emotion. McKay also said it's too early to say whether replay review for pass interference will or should be retained. Peter, you've got an idea for what they should do. I've got some ideas for what they should do. Let's hear what what your take is on what the league should do when they gather in March for the annual meeting at which they'll decide whether or not to continue with replay review for pass interference. Well, Mike, since the end of the year, one of my pet questions to people around the league at, at all levels of football, what should happen with this pass interference rule? And as, and as the listeners and viewers will remember, all right, a year ago in March, the NFL owners voted 31 to 1 to put in this system of having plays called on the field, pass interference plays called on the field, and then not called on the field, both replay reviewable. And I've asked people since the end of the year, since it was not called the way that it was written in a rule, the NFL basically made it be, you've got to get absolutely mugged three seconds before the ball gets there for us to even consider it. That's what it became. And so I've asked people all over the league, what do you think of this? Mike, I got to tell you something. It needs a three-quarter majority vote to be reinstituted for the 2020 season. I haven't found, I found one person who said, we'll get the kinks out. And I bet of the other 10 people I've talked to about this, everyone else said either we got to get rid of it or it's got to, it's got to have major surgery or it just doesn't work. So I don't think there's any way it's going to pass muster. In March. So my idea is this. If owners, and I actually think this should happen, but if owners, if coaches, if if teams want to have that fail safe, which is the Saints, Rams, Nikhil Roby Coleman, Tommy Lee Lewis fail safe. If you want to have that in, pick a number of minutes at the end of the game. Three, five, two, and just say for the last, let's say, three minutes of a game. New York, or the replay official upstairs, or, or a sky judge, what, whatever it is, that person, or if it's New York, those people will be in charge of basically saying, hold on, we got to look at this play. And so have that emergency, uh, you know, pull rope in case of emergency person in place and call it in the last three minutes of a game. But don't populate the first X number of minutes of the game, 55-57, with this call. I got a simpler solution. You want to hear it? 
Yep. Bring back Dean Blandino. Because if you bring back, if and look, and this is nothing against Al Riveron, but I, I don't think it's controversial for us to say that there are aspects of the replay review supervision that escape him at times and that he's not necessarily suited for that portion of the job. He can run the officiating. He can supervise the officials. But I think they need to bring back Dean Blandino to be the guy who's in charge of replay review and who is the public face and voice of what is the most critical job for the NFL during football season, more important than the commissioner job. And Blandino has proven he can do it. Before I would get rid of replay review for pass interference, because once it's gone, it's very hard to bring it back. It's not impossible. They once got rid of replay review altogether and then brought it back years later. But I think you make a run at bringing back Blandino. And I know there are people of influence in the league who want Blandino back. I think if you yes. had the right person to implement this thing, it could still work. I think that's the first question they need to ask themselves before they move on to other alternatives. Mike, I don't think bringing Dean Blandino, I think that sounds good. Oh, now we get a really good and extraordinarily competent guy in place. Mike, there's still going to be ticky-tack, bang-bang plays in pass interference. And the whole question is, if you allow all these reviews to go by the letter of the law... The game is going to be is going to have a lot more of these reviews. And that's one thing the NFL doesn't want to have. And I'm not saying you shouldn't want to get every play right. I get it. But I think you're you're looking for a panacea that Dean Blandino would bring and he wouldn't bring it. There are just some plays that are too close and you can't tell. But if he knows how to apply the standard, it is the panacea. We'll be back with more right after. No, it isn't. We're going to be at the Scouting Combine Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday of this week, and we have a full dance card. But there's always room to cram in more, and Tuesday is going to be a very hectic day. During the show, after the show, lots of people to talk to, and people we will be talking to include Alabama receiver Henry Ruggs, Georgia running back DeAndre Swift, Brett Veach, Mike McCarthy, Zach Taylor, John Elway, Bruce Arians, Mike Frabel. The list will go on and on and on. We're going to be live, expanded coverage, 7 to 11 Eastern, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday from Indianapolis. All right, time for a little fill in the blank. Let's begin. And uh, this relates to the negotiations that are about to happen again, to the extent the NFL is willing to negotiate with the NFL Players Association. Peter King, the NFL owner you'd least like to negotiate with is blank. Um, I would say the NFL owner, I, oh yeah, the NFL owner I'd least like to negotiate with is Daniel Snyder because I just feel like he's going to make his offer. I'm going to go back at him and he's going to sit there with his arms crossed and arms folded. And we're not going to be able to talk. We're not going to be able to have a real negotiation. I, I, I like that. I like that. And then also once you do a deal and everything is fine and dandy, he's going to like change his mind about you. And then it's going to be miserable for you until the contract finally <laughs> is torn up and you're paid your buyout. I don't want to negotiate with Jerry Jones because same early stage. He makes his offer. I make mine, right? Then he pours me a big tumbler full of Johnny Walker blue and we get down to business. And before you know it, I have sacrificed everything uh, after <laughs> hanging out with Jerry Jones. And, and I, I look with or without the alcohol, I just think he's extremely persuasive. There's a reason why he likes to negotiate directly with players. He has been a great salesman his whole life, dating back to when he had a specific euphoria for selling shoes, as detailed in Mark Leibovich's book, <laughs> Big Game, The NFL in Dangerous Times. So I do not want to negotiate with Jerry Jones, especially when it comes to shoes. 
Hey, look, I, I think it'd be fun to negotiate with Jerry Jones. And I'm serious about this. When I say fun, I mean, I would That's just what makes say, it hey, so Jerry, dangerous. Here are the most important things to me right now. Here are the most important things to me. Then he'd move things around in his head and he'd get he'd give me what I wanted and then he would get what he wanted. Now, you know, Dak Prescott may feel a little bit of a different way right now. No, no, no. no. You'll tell him what's the most important thing to you. Then he'll convince you that it's something else, which also happens to be the most important thing to him. That's where the magic is. And that's why I don't want to negotiate with Jerry Jones about anything because he's going to get you. See, Dan Snyder's going to get you with his arms crossed. Jerry Jones is going to get you with a smile and that wink. He loves to flash that wink. And he flashes enough of those winks, and you're going to end up realizing that your pocket's been picked in in a in a in a legitimate and fair and above board way. All right, next one. Steelers quarterback Ben Roethlisberger is throwing the football. Get picked in a fair and above board way. <laughs> it happens. It happens. How All does right. anybody end up with multiple billions of dollars? It happens. First line of The Godfather: Behind every fortune, there is a crime. That's all I'm saying. Steelers quarterback Ben Roethlisberger is throwing a football again and says he should be cleared for full activities before training camp. Blank is the injured player I'm most looking forward to seeing back on the field next year. Well, before I get into that, before we get into blank, I'm just going to tell you the one thing about the Roethlisberger story that totally fascinates me. He has not shaved since he was 14 years old, and I think his beard is utterly fantastic. I don't know about you, Mike. That is one heck of a beard. I think it is awesome. The guy who I want to see fully healthy, Mike, and I'm gonna I'm gonna give you I'm gonna cheat at this one a little bit. But when I saw these questions, the one thing I said was, there's only one guy in in the football establishment right now who I want to see fully healthy back playing football, and that's Tua Tagovailoa. And and I think. He is, as I talk to people around the NFL, and I haven't done much work on the draft, but he is universally the most fascinating single person about this draft. Is the team that drafts him going to say, okay, you got to sit the whole year and then you'll be fine in 2021? Or are they going to say, are they going to give him a redshirt year? Or are they going to say, hey, man, we want you as soon as possible Let's find, uh, let's make sure that our doctors agree with us. So to me, that is the one lingering question hanging over the combine. For me, it's Matthew Stafford, the Lions quarterback. He missed a large chunk of the 2019 season. The front office coaching staff back with a mandate that they better get it done this year. And a healthy Matthew Stafford, year three of the Matt Patricia system. They continue to work to get enough players around him to to fit that kind of Patriot way that they're trying to, to bring to Detroit. I want to see what Matthew Stafford does. The sense of urgency is getting there. He's more than a decade into his NFL career. It's year 12 now for him, if I'm calculating correctly. He was drafted in 2009. That would make 2020 season number 12, 11 years after he was drafted. I want to see what he can do this year because I think at some point, the Lions are going to have to make a decision long-term about who the quarterback is. He's going to have to make a decision about where he wants to be. It's possible he's already thinking about life after the Lions. I just feel like this is an important season for him, coaching staff, front office, and it could go either way. And based on history, we know which way it's going to go in Detroit, but, but I don't know. Maybe this is the year that they defy expectations and can actually get back to the postseason and win a game for the first time since January of 1992.
You know, I like that, Mike. And can we go into the next one? Okay. I'll, I'll say this one because I have a tributary of something you just said. Eagles wide receiver Alshon Jeffrey says he'd welcome a change of scenery this offseason. I think blank could use a change of scenery before the 2020 season. I'm going to give you a blank, and it's Matthew Stafford. You know, he's played now for 12 years, for 11 years for the Detroit Lions. What has happened? They've got a losing record. They haven't won a playoff game. I'm not blaming him. I want the Detroit Lions to take two attack of Aloha, and I want them to get everything they can for Matthew Stafford. I understand the salary consequences of this. I get it. I know that. It is preposterous. I get it. You're asking me in a blind world what I'd like to see happen. I would love to see Matthew Stafford, maybe with Bill Belichick. Who knows? I would love to see him have a change of scenery and a very, very good quarterback have a chance to finally win instead of being on this hamster wheel of losing in Detroit all the time. And the Lions start over. There was um, about 10 days ago some reporting out of Detroit that the Lions had been engaged in trade talks involving Matthew Stafford. Bob Quinn, the GM of the team, has been very adamant that that hasn't happened. But And, and I don't want to revisit history from 10 days ago, Peter, but my final analysis, after considering all the factors and, and looking at comments made by his wife on social media— I, I wouldn't be surprised if at some point over the next month or two, sometime before the draft, the Staffords make a power play to get out of Detroit. The Lions want him, but I'm not convinced he wants to stay after 11 years of being the Lions quarterback. And you know what? That's you, know why? That, you know why, Mike? You know why? why? Here's, here's, what, here's what I look at right now. Okay. So a lot of the mock drafts right now have the cornerback from Ohio State, Jerry Akuda, uh, going to the Lions at number three. And the logic there being, well, we're going to lose Darius Slay in free agency. You know, we got to get somebody to replace him. Isn't that so, Detroit Lions? Sign Darius Slay. When you get a good player on your team, don't always just let him go. You know, and and don't just uh, don't just assume that you're not going to be able to re-sign this guy. Draft good players, keep them, sign them, make them the backbone of your team, okay? And again, look, I just believe that if I'm going to do that with Darius Slay, all right, wouldn't you rather do it with a quarterback and also one of the most exciting quarterbacks to come into the NFL in a long time? Uh, what everybody said, if he's healthy, and again, if he isn't healthy, then you don't do this. But if he's healthy... Why not shake up, rejuvenate your franchise and get to a tag of a low as your quarterback and make Matthew Stafford and his wife? Is he, Mike, I don't know this. I truly don't know whether he wants out, whether his wife wants I, I don't know any of that. All I'm saying is that it just feels like it's time to shake things up in Detroit. $32 million cap charge if they trade Matthew I mean, Stafford awful. this year. It actually yeah. may be, you know what? It initially was reported as $32 million from the websites out there like Spot Track and Over the Cap. We, we got the real numbers last weekend. I think they ended up being more like 24 to 28, which isn't a picnic by any means. But we saw last year the Steelers take a $20 million-plus cap charge to move on from Antonio Brown. So it's not unprecedented if it comes down to it. And as the cap gets larger and larger, it's not as big of a deal to write off $20 million. 
it, it, not only that, Mike, if you sign the new deal, if you get the new CBA going this year, you up, uh, you know, the salary cap for this year, there's going to be more money in the game. And it's a one-time rip the Band-Aid off. And you know what? If Tua Tagovailoa is your quarterback, he's going to count about, give or take, about $8 million on the cap in 2021. And all of a sudden, you have a boatload of money for the long-term future of your franchise to spend. And just to put a button on this, $24.8 million is the actual number that would be the dead cap space for moving Matthew Stafford to a new team. $24.8 million is not a crippling number, especially, Peter, as you said, if there's a new CBA, salary cap goes up, and your replacement isn't one of these guys you sign off the street who's going to want $25 to $30 million a year but a rookie who comes in with a wage scale contract. All right, uh, this one is very important. Ravens offensive lineman Bradley Bozeman finished a 72-ounce steak in 50 minutes over the weekend. Blank is my most impressive food feat. Uh, Mike, I used to live in Cincinnati at the start of my career. And if you've been in Cincinnati very much, you know how they do chili. They basically put a bed of spaghetti down, uh, some chili sauce on top of that, and then there is a, a bed of cheese, a layer of cheese on top of that. You add some onions in that. That's what's called a Skyline Chili four-way. Okay, I used to love those. And then Skyline came out with the extra-large four-way. And I started going into Cincinnati to cover the Bengals. I wouldn't want to eat at the best restaurant in town. I would want to make sure I went and got the extra-large four-way at Skyline. Downtown Cincinnati right near the corner of 6th and Vine, where the Cincinnati Enquirer, my old office, used to be. And I used to love just sitting there, eating that. And I'll tell you, it was a challenge. And I'll just say this. You got very, very cleaned out after that situation, Mr. Florio. <laughs> kind of like your flight back from Vince Young's Pro Day? Cleaned out that way? <laughs> you will never forget that, Mike Florio. I'll never forget. <laughs> no, I will never forget it because I've had several of those procedures, and every time I begin the process, I think, I can't believe Peter King began this process while sitting in an airplane. <laughs> um, for me, and, and this goes back to the days when I had limited budget, unlimited appetite and high level metabolism. You know, anytime there's a buffet at a pizza place and a wave of 18 and 19 year olds roll in, it's going to be a, a, a day that the, the pizza place loses money. I ate 16 pieces of pizza once and uh, oh. I still don't know how I did it. I still don't know what how I did it. What was on the but pizza? I did it. What was on pepperoni. it? Pepperoni. Pepperoni. It wasn't, oh. you know, a big cluster. It was cheese, pepperoni, the usual, but 16 pieces mm. gone. Decent size too. Gone. Um, wow. and I wasn't like, I wasn't like in a coma afterward. It's like, there's something about, I feel like I could eat 16 pieces of pizza right now. Um, like, do you ever get full? I never get full from pizza. I have to always stop myself from eating more. There's never that is, a time that's crazy. where I've had my fill of eating pizza. I always can eat more. All right. Maybe that's wow. my superpower. We got to wrap when we return. Let's see what we have next. Scroll down on the sheet. Oh, the lions are open to trading down. Which team is most likely to make a deal up? We'll discuss that when PFT life continues right after this. Open to any trade. Um, those are, those are conversations that generally start to, um, to have a little bit, the higher you up in the draft, the really the sooner the conversations uh, begin. I uh, have not had any trade conversations with anybody as of yet. Those usually tend to start uh, in the combine, in the hallways that we kind of <laughs> roll through, and uh, we'll see how that goes. 
Bob Quinn, Lions general manager, making it clear that there is an opportunity to trade down from the third overall pick in the draft. And look, there's always an opportunity to trade down, to trade up. It's it's a commodity like anything else. And if you get an offer you can't refuse, you would be unwise to refuse it. But Peter, with the Detroit Lions, and we touched on the Tua Tonga-Vailoa possibility and the possibility Matthew Stafford may want to change the scenery. The problem is that I firmly believe Matt Patricia, the head coach, and Bob Quinn, the GM, are on notice that things had better improve significantly this year. So you need to emerge from the draft, I think, with guys who can play right away. We don't know that Tua can play right away. You, I, But but I, I think that whether you stay at number three or trade down and get more lottery tickets and maybe get more guys who can play right away, which if that's what you can do, if you can dangle that for a quarterback that somebody feels compelled to come up and get, and you get those multiple players that can contribute right out of the gates, that may help these guys stick around beyond 2020 in Detroit. I, I think the biggest issue where Detroit is picking, Mike, and let's just say that the quarterback thing's a non-starter and they have no interest in the quarterback and they're going to keep Stafford. So let's just say that that's the case because that's likely. All right, so now you start looking at a guy like Bob Quinn cannot make that decision, you know, on February 24. He can make the decision maybe, you know, on, on April 4, but he can't make it right now because he needs to know on his draft board, and let's just say for the sake of argument, he's, you know, everybody's going to have Joe Burrow. He's not taking him anyway. But then he's going to have Chase Young far and away as number one guy. All right, he can't get Chase Young. So now it gets to number three in the draft. And on his board, he's got five guys who are very close. And he says, okay, look, we really like Okuda. You know, we love Simmons, this versatile linebacker safety from Clemens. We really like Mekki Becton, you know, the monster tackle from Louisville, quicker than a guy who's 370 pounds should be. So let's just say he gets to that point. And then let's just say that, you know, the Carolina Panthers are dying to get up to number three. Well, then you say, okay, Carolina, you can have our pick. We'll move down to number seven, and you give us your next two twos, and we'll do that. And so I'm only making this point to say that until you set your draft board, you can't know what the value to your organization is for the third pick in the draft. Yeah, that's right, because if there's a chance you can slide down a few spots and still get the guy you would have taken if you had to use the pick at number three overall, then it's a hell of a deal. You're paying him less, you still get him, and you get some other stuff in return. That's why it's always important to keep the cards as close to the vest as possible, because if you do trade down, you want to be able to say with a straight face, we got the guy we would have taken if we had stayed where we were. So it's already a win. No matter what those extra picks turn into, we're getting him in a lower spot, and we're going to pay less, and we're going to have a little more cap space available for other positions. But, look, we're going to hear plenty about this, and we, we, we never know when the trades are going to happen. Ideally, a trade happens when the pick's on the clock, but we saw a couple of years ago the Jets pulled the trigger and moved up from six to number three to get themselves in position for one of the top quarterbacks. They just didn't know who it was going to be, but they were fine with that. And we may see movement like that because when there's a team that's ready to trade down, and if multiple teams are ready to trade up, if you want to trade up, you better you better pull the trigger, even if you'd rather wait until your pick's on the clock. Mike, and there's one other factor to consider in this, okay? This is a big quarterback draft. You know, there's probably going to be three guys taken in the top eight or ten. Okay, so that automatically make, basically 
increases the value of your pick because when teams figure, I got to have that quarterback. What if Matt Rule, the Carolina Panthers coach, wakes up on April 1st and said, guys, we got to go get Justin Herbert. He's our guy. It doesn't matter where we have to go to get him. We got to go get him. We don't know what the next six weeks hold in all this draft mayhem and all this pre-stuff. That makes it even better for the Detroit Lions to have three quarterbacks in the top 10 who are probably going to get picked right around there. And if that happens, all of a sudden, they got premium value at number three. Yeah, and you just play it slowly and you wait, you wait, you wait, and you'll know when that right offer rolls around. The time is right for us to take a quick break when we return. Derek Carr creating some speculation about a possible trade out of Oakland. We'll be right back. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.